The Gospel according to St. Mark chapter 1. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. They make it look so easy, don't they? You watch the figure skater in the Olympics do the triple toe loop, eh? or the skier go down those moguls down that hill so fast. You watch the NBA player hit three-pointer after three-pointer. You watch that baseball player hit it 450 feet over the outfield wall. They make it look so easy, but you know it's not, right? Because you go out on the field or the court or the ice on the hill, and you realize this is really hard, right? And you realize that that, that, that kind of skill takes some natural ability. It takes determination. It takes a lot of hours of practice. It takes a whole lot of time and energy to be that good at something. Even though they make it look so easy on your television, don't they? Is that what you think when you look at Jesus in the wilderness? He makes it look so easy. He just goes up against those temptations of the devil and defeats them like that. It's got to be easy for him, right? I mean, he's got those divine powers. He is the son of God, of course. He doesn't quite get what I go through. He doesn't understand how difficult those temptations of Satan are for me when, when he just faces him like nothing. It wasn't easy for Jesus, even though it might look easy to you. Because Jesus went out into that wilderness not armed with divine power and miracles to defeat every temptation. Instead, he went out simply clothed in his full humanity, weak, trembling. He went out to face the devil just like you and I do. As the writer of the Hebrews says, he was tempted in every way just like we are. In the same way. It wasn't easy for Jesus. And, and we see these struggles, right? We, we know the struggles of temptation, don't we? We know how hard it is. We, we face them every single day, don't we? I mean, Satan is constantly right on our heels. He's always there. We know how difficult this is, and we know how weak we are. He's there. When you're trying to decide, should I pick up my Bible for the first time this week or turn on the television again? He's there when you are deciding what to watch on television. He's there when you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you think you're all alone. 
He's there when your boss isn't looking. He's there when you're having an argument with a close friend or with your worst enemy. He's there when you tell yourself that your drink limit tonight is two. Okay, maybe seven. He's there. And he knows your weaknesses even better than you do. He knows what pressure points to push on. You know this struggle. You know it all too well. And don't you often feel like you're on the losing end of most, if not seemingly all of those battles? And that is exactly why God had to say to his one and only son, I need you to take on flesh. I need you to be human so that you can go and struggle with them and for them but with a completely different outcome. Because our God knows the, the, the weaknesses we have in these struggles and the many times that we fail, that we have this Savior Jesus for us. In this gospel lesson, facing temptation head-on in all of his humanity to do what we cannot. Listen again to how our lesson starts out. It says that once the Spirit sent him, Jesus, out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. Did you catch it? He says two times in there, he was in the wilderness. Just in case you didn't hear it the first time, he's in the wilderness. All right? And what's the wilderness? Well, just so you don't think that it's just on the, on the edge of town, right? He's, he's just outside of civilization. You know, if, he, if he's feeling a little tired and weak and hungry or you know, thirsty and go back into town to the quick trip and grab something and head back out again. No, the wilderness is completely out in the middle of nowhere. And how do you know? Because he's with the wild animals, right, who are far, far away from any human beings. Laura and I were in Cameroon, West Africa for a couple of years doing mission work. It seems like another lifetime ago already. But, but one of the common questions we got when we came back was, what kind of wildlife did you see there? And our answer was always disappointing. <laughs> because when you think of Africa, maybe you think of, you know, elephants and zebras and lions running all over the place. But we lived in a city, and what we mostly saw were bugs and birds and some snakes. There weren't zebras in our backyard or lions walking down the middle of the street. Even when we'd go out into remote areas where we would drive until there was no more road and then still walk for hours to get to these villages where there were churches that we were serving, even there you didn't see wildlife. There was one time we were walking and I looked up, I heard something up in the canopy above me and I saw an arm of what must have been a monkey jumping from one tree to another, but I really just saw bushes moving for the most part, or, or limbs moving for the most part. Uh, animals, wild animals, are far away from human beings, so they stay safe. That's where Jesus is, not in a jungle, but in the wilderness, far away from everything else with the wild animals. And what kind of wild animals is Jesus with? Well, what we know of the, the wilderness in Judea at this time is there's most likely bears and leopards, and wolves and poisonous snakes of all sorts and of course the most deadly of them all that serpent was slithering out there too 
Jesus is out here in the middle of nowhere, in the wilderness, with the wild animals, to face that enemy for us. Did you catch how long he's out there? Did you hear it? It's 40 days he spends in that wilderness. And you've maybe heard that number 40 before in the Bible, haven't you? comes up a number of times. When Noah and his family and those animals get on the ark, it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, right? The Israelites wander through the desert for 40 years, right? Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai for 40 days. Two times he did it. Elijah was on Mount Horeb with no food and no water for 40 days. Jonah was sent to Nineveh and said, Repent, or this, your, your city is going to be destroyed in 40 days. Right? And this is just a few of the times that that number 40 comes up. There's a modern-day example, too, right? We, we are in the season of Lent. How long is the season of Lent? It's not biblical, but we, it's 40 days leading up to Easter. So what's the point? What's the connection between Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and all of these things in the Old Testament and even the days of Lent? It's, it's a time of struggling. It's a time of testing. It's a time of that person or those people having to rely on God alone in their struggles. You know, you probably know the account of this event much better from Matthew and Luke, Luke's records. They're the ones who actually name those temptations that Jesus underwent out there in the wilderness. Here, Mark just says he was in the wilderness 40 days and he was being tempted by Satan. But what Mark helps us with is understanding that it wasn't just three temptations in 40 days, right? He, he faced those three, and then he, he just kind of wandered around for the rest of the time. Now, Mark says here that for 40 days, he was being tempted by Satan. And Matthew and Luke are led by the Spirit just to give you three examples of those temptations that Jesus faced. Do you remember what they were from those other accounts? Maybe you don't remember them verbatim, you don't remember them exactly, but you'd certainly know them. Because you face them too. You know, if the devil is one thing, he's not original. <laughs> he's got the same bag of tricks, the same lies he tells, all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. The first one that Matthew and Luke tell us about, that Jesus faced in this wilderness, is, is he trying to get Jesus to doubt God's love for him. If you really are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Because you certainly don't look like the Son of God. What are you doing? You're out here all by yourself with no food? Does God really love you? Does your God really care about you? If he really did, why would he leave you alone all by yourself like this? Why wouldn't he be taking care of you? That sound familiar? He makes you question if God is fair, doesn't he? It's one of Satan's tactics. He comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, look at all these kingdoms. Look at all their riches and all of their glory. And they were given to them, not to you. Like, 
God's not really fair, is he? Look, look! All of these godless nations have all of this power and riches, all of these things that he gives to other people who don't care about him, who don't follow his rules. Look at all of the things that God has not given to you. God's not fair, is he? Does that sound familiar? Satan also loves to, to try to dupe us into thinking that sin's really no big deal. He takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple and says, jump down. Go ahead. God says he's going to send his angels and they're going to take care of you. You're not even going to strike your foot against a stone. Sound familiar to you too? Oh, come on. That's no big deal. No one's going to find out. No one's going to know. Okay, yeah, God will know, but... You know, if you just confess that sin later, you know he's going to forgive it. Just, just push right through that guilt. Don't worry about that. It'll go away eventually. And just do it and, and repent and then you'll be good, right? It's not a big deal. Does that sound familiar? Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are. But there's one big difference. He was without sin. He defeats every single one of these temptations. Not just these three, not just in these 40 days, but his entire lifetime, every temptation defeated. Never once giving in. For you. You see why he goes out there? It says that the Spirit sends him out into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit sends him out to do what you can't. To not just be your Savior, but to also be your perfect substitute in this life. To live the law perfectly. To trust God perfectly. That his entire heart belonged to God perfectly. Every moment of every day. He did that for you. Because you don't. He defeated the devil for you because you cannot. It, Jesus isn't out here in the wilderness to show you how you can defeat the devil, right? How he can be an example for you that you can go up and defeat them, all of these temptations of Satan. No, he did it because you can't. Because you don't. Defeating every temptation for you. Here he is, your substitute, doing what you cannot. But friends, that struggle continues for us, doesn't it? That, that, that struggle with temptation. Even though Jesus has came and he, and he defeated every temptation perfectly for me, the fact is the devil's still out there. He's still roar, you know, prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's still got some limited time. He's got some limited power and, and some, you know, some limited uh, you know, ways, ways to go around in this world and be tempting us. But remember that God's work for Jesus didn't end in that desert. Instead, what does he do? He goes into Galilee and he proclaims the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And what's that good news? That good news that three years later, he wouldn't march back out into the wilderness but he'd be led up a hill. And on that hill, 
He'd be hung on a cross. And there he would take the punishment that you deserve for every time that you have fell into one of those temptations of Satan. For all the times that you have sided with the devil rather than God. He took the curse of your sin. He suffered hell itself so that you never will have to. And there, where it seemed like the devil was winning and the devil was going to have the day, the victory cry rang out. It is finished. And that serpent's head was crushed. And that lion's teeth were removed. And there's victory. Victory of Jesus for you. Victory over temptation. Victory over sin. Victory over death. Victory over fear. Victory over hell. Victory for you. That battle began in that wilderness with those temptations. It was finished at the cross with the death for your sin, an innocent death for you. All completed in the work of Jesus Christ and through faith that victory is yours too. Friends, believe the good news that what your champion has done for you, that struggle with sin has been accomplished and that to know that without a doubt the kingdom of God is not only near, but by God's grace you're in it. And because you are in that kingdom of God, because you know that Son of God and that Son of Man by faith to be your perfect Savior and substitute, we long to struggle against the temptations and the lures and the attacks of Satan. We want to take up this struggle, not to earn heaven, but because we already have heaven. Not to beat the devil, but because he's already been beaten. Because you know what? The more we struggle, the more we're forced to rely on Christ. I didn't mean to skip over the first two words of our lesson this morning. They're really important. Right? It says, at once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. So you know what happened right before this? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John. And at once, he sent out into the wilderness to face the devil. The picture is Jesus' hair is maybe still dripping wet. <laughs> and it's still ringing in his ears, hearing the voice of his father, this is my son whom I love. And he saw that dove descend on him, that power of the Holy Spirit that filled him, to give him strength for the battle that he would have to face. And friends, the same is true for you too. Children of the Heavenly Father. made God's own children through the waters of your baptism, of whom the Father says, with you I am well pleased, you whom I love, been filled with the Holy Spirit, to go and be filled with the blessings of Christ that are yours in your baptism and through the means of grace that you still receive today, the death of Christ the resurrection of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the mind of Christ, the power of Christ. There is your strength for the struggle. Friends, today, as we begin this season of Lent, it's time for us to renew ourselves in that struggle against sin.
and temptation. But not to find that strength within ourselves, but to find it in Christ alone. Are you going to stumble? Yeah, no doubt about it. But you won't be perfect. But Jesus was for you. And we cling to his perfect life and his innocent death as we go back out into the wilderness of this world and with that promise ringing in our ears, we are more than conquerors through him, Christ, who loved us. The one who promises to strengthen us in all of our struggles. May he grant it.